Thanks so much for joining us for TCC at home today. My name is Michael Geyer, the lead pastor here at Treasuring Christ Church. Uh, thankful that you joined us in this online format. Uh, however, I must say I'm particularly excited because next week uh, we will not be at TCC at home. We will be at TCC at the park. Uh, I'm particularly excited to be able to gather in person outside for worship. Uh, so next Sunday, August 9th at 10 a.m. at Allendinger Park, we will be gathering together uh, for TCC at the park. We'll be within eyesight of the playground. Uh, we will be social distancing. We will have hand sanitizer. We ask that everyone wear a mask and we will have masks available uh, on site. Uh, if you aren't feeling well or uh, experiencing any of the symptoms of COVID, we'd ask that you stay home and get help as soon as you can and to help us to know who is there uh, so we can do our due diligence uh, uh, to, uh, to make sure we're prepared. Uh, we would ask that you RSVP uh, online. You can find that in our TCC Weekly News. Uh, if you don't get our TCC Weekly News, uh, as you heard at the beginning of the service, you can just text your name uh, to the number that's on the screen and we'll make sure to, uh, to get you signed up for that. Uh, so that you can be aware uh, of not only uh, when uh, all the details related to it, but also the safety protocols uh, that we are putting into place. And so particularly excited to be able to uh, worship together next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. I hope that you'll be there uh, and, uh, and even perhaps uh, bring somebody with you. Uh, I also, before we begin our service today, jump into God's word. I want to take a, a minute uh, to, to particularly uh, acknowledge Brandon Watkins last Sunday. We about a month ago shared with you uh, the news that Brandon has been called uh, to serve in a pastoral role uh, at Transformation Church in Waterford, Michigan, a sister church within our same uh, network, and uh, particularly excited about the opportunity that God has provided Brandon, he has served well here as a resident over these last two years. And as a church, we uh, we don't want to just say goodbye to people every two to three years, but we want to be a church that that invests in, that equips and, and sends out uh, when God calls. And, uh, and Brandon uh, has served here well and coming as a resident uh, really and coming to Michigan. He was coming home and God has uh, has used him here at, at Treasuring Christ Church and, and as well uh, just individually and personally in all of our lives. And so uh, if you have a moment, uh, this Sunday is Brandon's last Sunday before he transitions. If you have a moment to really reach out to him, encourage him, uh, let him know that he's been a blessing to you. Uh, Brandon, I want you to know uh, that that's certainly true for me. It's been a joy uh, to serve together and excited for what God has in store uh, for you. Um, and <clears throat> Uh, now, as we uh, as we open up God's Word and, and we we turn our uh, attention to the Psalms, so we're continuing a sermon series called "Thinking and Feeling with God." We've been looking at the Psalms and how they help us uh, to to really address the language of the heart as well as the language of prayer, what it means to respond to God, uh, and, and how we should think rightly about Him as well as to feel rightly about Him. The Psalms give us this snapshot into the human soul as it wrestles with different circumstances and emotions and what it means to respond to God. And, and today we're going to be looking at what it means to engage our loneliness and our sadness from Psalm 88. Have you ever felt alone? Have you ever felt isolated uh, from others and that, that, that feeling of, of loneliness? Uh, perhaps 
uh, you've experienced sadness. I think it's a universal uh, emotion that we we all uh, experience or perhaps are experiencing. And in, in these times, the more uh, that's going on around us, the, the more likely it is that we're going to experience the loss of some things. Maybe it's not a person, but maybe it's desires or dreams or jobs or relationships, different things in our lives that we lose lead to sadness. Uh, in fact, even just in a small way, I'm coming to you today, as you can tell, in a different uh, setting. Uh, I am at the beach in North Carolina with, with my family. We, we drove down earlier this week and got to the beach and had loosely been uh, hearing the news of, of a hurricane that's coming up uh, the East Coast, uh, but we're hopeful that maybe it would turn out. Well, we got here, we, we unpacked, we, we headed up to the beach, and we got back and we heard word that uh, we're going to have to evacuate um, by Sunday. And so, uh, you know, as we, uh, as we process our own sadness uh, of sorts, perhaps it's fitting uh, to be in Psalm 88. Now, whether our loneliness or sadness is, is, is maybe just kind of a twinge that we're feeling, uh, right now, or perhaps a darkness that, that won't seem to lift. Uh, I want us to know that God's word has something to say to us. God's word uh, helps us to engage our loneliness and our sadness. And uh, as we think about our emotions, we've said in this series that there are two things that we want to avoid. We want to avoid the error of uh, of allowing our emotions to be everything, for them to guide us, as well as the, the error of allowing our emotions to be nothing, as if uh, it doesn't matter, as if we're unaffected by life and, and, and the circumstances we face. And so uh, when, we, when we think about these issues of loneliness and sadness in, in, in our world today, it's often easy to fill our lives with so much that we crowd out these feelings. They're unwanted Emotions, loneliness and sadness aren't aren't exactly the ones that uh, that really perk us perk us up when we hear about them. They're, they're the ones that we want to push away and not deal with, and so we make our lives so full that we crowd out these unwanted emotions. But if if we're going to to live faithfully in this world, we're going to have to engage our emotions, and and we we need to understand that our emotions are given to us by God. As a gift, they're, they're really tools that help us to navigate life, to, to live life fully as God intends us to live. And that means that, that to live life fully, we have to process both the joys and the sorrows, the ups and the downs and emotions are given to us to help us to understand where we are and then for us to respond, to think and feel with God. And, and so that's why we're going to look at Psalm 88 today. Psalm 88 has been described as... Uh, in this way, that there's no sadder prayer in the Psalter. It's the saddest psalm of them all. Uh, I don't know if you've read Psalm 88, but uh, as I was uh, preparing and studying, looking at, at this psalm, uh, it really was, uh, as I took it in, I, I know I've read it before, but it's not exactly the one that you mark and, and memorize and, and you know, resuscitate, uh, not resuscitate, recite uh, at night uh, like, like you do Psalm 23 or something like that. Psalm 88 is one that you read over quickly and, and you just hope that you're not in a, a situation or a season where it resonates so you can move on uh, to something else. Well, uh, I want us to hear Psalm 88, and then I want us to consider what it has to say to us to help us to engage our loneliness and our sadness. Listen to Psalm 88. A song, a song of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Lahonath, a maskil of Heman the Ezrahite. Remember that name, we'll come back to it. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. 
For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those who you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit and in the regions of dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Let that sink in. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made a horror to me a horror to them, and I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eyes grow dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your terrors. I am helpless. Your wrath is swept over me. Your dread assaults uh, dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. Some of your translations may actually read, darkness has become my companion. What a way to end a psalm. Right? I think we're accustomed when we read the Psalms to, to finding, yeah, some struggle and some wrestling with the, the emotions in the heart, but then this breaking out of it to, to lead to, uh, to celebration, to lead to rejoicing, to lead to a, a declaration of trust and, and a conviction that God is for us. Well, as we saw last week in Psalm 55, Psalm 88 is a lament. But what's unique about this lament is that there's no affirmation of faith, no, no expression of confidence or praise. At, at the end, there's, there's not even a vow to praise God in the future. There's just a statement of sadness and loneliness and darkness with a faint glimmer of, God, I'm crying out to you, but I have no answer. That's what we get in Psalm 88. We know it was written by Heman, the Ezraite, who was the son of Korah, uh, who was one of the worship leaders of Psalm 88. Now, I, I jokingly laughed uh, when I read Psalm 88. You know, I was like, man, this is a, a worship leader who's just a little emotional and had a bad day. Um, but, but if we step back and we're, we're being honest and serious, looking at God's word, God, had, God desired to have Psalm 88 in the word. He, he desired for Psalm 88 to be a part of the worship of Israel. Just think about that. He led this worship leader, Haman, the Ezraite, to write Psalm 88, his only psalm, to be included in the book of Psalms for, uh, for the people of God to be encouraged by this prayer, by, by this form of worship. This is his one psalm, right? And he was having a bad day. And this is what got included. And yet it should be something that we're, we're so grateful for. So thankful that God has included this in his word for us. So we have to ask, what's the psalmist experiencing? 
And in many ways, we don't have the details of what the psalmist is experiencing. We, we don't have the details of what's going on, and as the, is the case in many of the psalms. There's not an indication of what all is being uh, experienced or the details of it that lie behind the writing. And, and that way, in that way, it's, it's somewhat of an encouragement that it meets us in a lot of different circumstances in our life and, and can speak truth and encouragement to us. But I want to suggest there are two things that Haman is speaking of, uh, that uh, these two things underneath them, we're going to see are the emotions that we're going to deal with. The first is abandonment. In verses two through six, Haman says he feels like he's been placed in the grave, like those who uh, you remember no more. And, and when you read Psalm 88, you can tell that all of this, Haman is placing at the, the feet of God, whom he believes is sovereign, even in his abandonment, even in his sorrow, as we're going to see in a minute. He says, this has come from you. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep, verse six. He goes on to talk about how he feels abandoned, shunned by his friends. Again, notice he attributes this to God's doing. Look at verse 8. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a whore to them. You have caused, verse 18, my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become my darkness. He, he not only feels abandoned by his friends, no doubt from uh, seeing all of this from the hand of God, but he also feels abandoned by God, left alone by God. Verse 14, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Where are you, God? Is, is the cry of abandonment that he experiences, a darkness because he feels abandoned by God, abandoned by others. And not only abandonment, but we also see sorrow. You know, when we when we read this, uh, you know, it, it it really isn't like a you know, so I had a bad day kind of sorrow. And we can apply it to our lives if if it applies. If what Psalm eighty eight says is taking us to the depth of darkness, and you're there, I want you to know that God's word has something to say to you. But I also want you to know, if God can speak in the depth of darkness, if you would say, man, I'm just struggling right now. It's just kind of hard. I just feel a little disconnected or I'm struggling with some sadness or maybe you've experienced something recently. Maybe the loss of someone, maybe maybe the loss of a, of a dream or, or, or a desire, unfulfilled uh, expectations. You're wrestling with these things. You say, look, I'm not in a deep, dark pit. Well, well, if even if you're not there, if God can speak in the deepest darkness, he can speak to you wherever you are. And, and, and this sorrow isn't just kind of a, uh, you know, a shallow sorrow, but a deep sorrow, a deep despair. He says in verse three, my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol, to death. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. Verse nine, my eyes grow dim through sorrow. In other Psalms would talk about our eyes growing dim through the weeping of tears. Verse 15, afflicted and close to death from my youth. I suffer your tears. I am helpless. Abandoned and sorrowful. And under these two emotions that we see here, what, what I think we can say is that underneath abandonment and sorrow is really what we're talking about today. Loneliness and sadness. Left alone, disconnected from others, and sadness, grieving, the loss of something. And, and the, the sorrow that he feels, the loss that he feels as you read throughout, it really is a loss of relationship, a loss of closeness to others. 
no doubt, circumstances that are led to this moment. But what he's focused on most in Psalm 88 is, God, I just want to be with you. I want my friends to be near me. And yet I feel abandoned and full of sorrow. As we've been doing, as we, we last week looked at hurt, uh, we, we want to define these emotions. And, and I've found a particular author, uh, Chip Dodd, in his book, The Voice of the Heart, especially helpful in thinking through how to define uh, our emotions. He says there are eight emotions and eight emotions. And, and, and these emotions often uh, play uh, together in different ways in different circumstances. And, um, and, and loneliness, he says, is the feeling that speaks to our deep hunger to belong and be known. And I know we all, if we've experienced loneliness, we're like, we're like yeah, it means to be alone, to not have a relationship, to, to feel disconnected from others, like no one gets me, or I can't connect with anyone, or, or I just feel isolated, even when I'm around people. And I like the way he puts it. He said, God gave us loneliness so we would seek out relationship. Remember, uh, Dot says that, that emotions are tools that God's given us to live fully in this life. He says, too often, though, we're embarrassed or ashamed, or we believe something's wrong with us because we're experiencing loneliness. I think this is this is true. The health and human services say that we are experiencing a loneliness pandemic. <clears throat> right? We, we got a global pandemic going on called coronavirus, but before it came, we had another pandemic called the loneliness pandemic. And according to the health and human services, loneliness and social isolation can be as damaging to health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. That's not good. He said two, the study said two in five Americans report that sometimes or always they feel their social relationships are not meaningful. So here, as we think about loneliness, it's not just that you're with people, but that there's meaningfully meaningful connection with people. One in five say they feel lonely or social, socially isolated. There's another study uh, that uh, that was done by, by Duke University and, and some other universities that, that, that show that that many people don't feel like they can share either significant joys or sorrows with, with anyone. They don't have anyone to share a joy or a sorrow with. And that number is even greater. Over half of people don't have anyone outside of their family that they can share some joy or sorrow with. In fact, as I think about this in my own life, I uh, just celebrated a uh, birthday uh, this, this, this week and turned 33. Um, <clears throat> and I think about... Uh, where I find myself um, and the Boston Globe, a study that was done said that the biggest threat facing middle-aged men, I'm not yet accepting that uh, designation in my life, the biggest threat facing middle-aged men isn't smoking or obesity, it's loneliness. I think loneliness applies across the board, but I particularly think that there's a, a strong word uh, to, to men and I wanna speak uh, to men this, uh, in this sermon to, to say we, we have to be willing to, to, to really look within and, and examine the emotions that we're feeling, not trying to, to buck up and be the Marlboro man who can go it all alone, but really examine what's taking place within us so that we can live the lives that God is calling us to live so we can be the men who's calling us to be in our, in our families, in our relationships, whether you're married to, to your wife or if you have kids to your children or in your friendships or in your work that God has called you to do. We have, to, we have to address this. It, it, we, we are seeing the, the word pandemic being used to describe loneliness. We ought to take it with some seriousness to, to remember our need to, to, to really engage our emotions. And, and like I said, this applies to, to all of us. I, I don't uh, 
uh, mean to, to imply that this is just a struggle for men, but it's one that we all must face. A loneliness pandemic. And remember, we've said that emotions are, are not like the GPS telling us where to go, but they're like our dashboard, letting us know where we are. And God is giving us this feeling of loneliness to push us, to move us towards relationship. He made us for relationship. We, we can feel loneliness in a lot of different ways in a few different relationships. And all of this stems back to how God made us in his image. And to be made in the image of God, at least in part, is to be made for relationship. To be made for relationship with God. To, to know ourselves as God made us. To, to know others. To, to even have a sense of relationship with the world. Or, or we could say purpose in the world. And you can feel loneliness in all of those ways. Disconnected from yourself, disconnected from God, disconnected from others, disconnected from a purpose and meaning in what you're doing in the world. In fact, we know in, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, uh, that as God made Adam and, and he's um, naming the animals and doing all of this work, it says in verse 18, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make a helper fit from him. God made us to be in relationship. And loneliness is that feeling that's telling us, that's reminding us we need to pursue what God made us for. And we can experience loneliness in all of these relationships. And often it's interconnected, as, as we see in Psalm 88, a loneliness from God as well as from others. So loneliness is, is telling us, moving us towards relationships. But sadness is the feeling that speaks to how much you value what is missed or what is gone or what is lost. There's this sense in the Psalm 88 where the psalmist misses closeness with God and companionship with his friends. And the sadness or sorrow is because these things have been lost. And, and honestly, when we think about sadness, sadness can be an exhausting feeling. It can wear us out and wear us down. It can feel like a cloud that won't lift. Psalm 88 continually talks about darkness and that, that's sometimes what it can feel, whether it's for a season or, or for, for a prolonged period of time. And, and, you know, honestly, some people associate sadness with, with depression, the feeling of sadness with, with depression. And we're, we're going to come back and talk about that uh, in a few weeks. But, but here I just want to say, just as we've been saying previously, that, that depression isn't something uh, that, that Christians can just think them, their way out of, especially if you're struggling with it on a, on a clinical level or a deeper level. We want you to know you're not, uh, there's not something wrong uh, in the sense of you need to feel guilty about it, but that you need to understand uh, that you can reach out and get, get help and, uh, and, and that there, there's a real um, desire that God wants to meet us in our darkest moments and our darkest experiences to help us and to help us know how to reach out for help. But you know, when I think about sadness and loneliness, these things are often um, uh, intertwined. Um, you see, sadness <clears throat> is a loving emotion. It, it, it communicates what you love. The absence of the thing or the person that you love is gone, and so you feel sadness. And in this way, loneliness and sadness can, can go hand in hand. And <clears throat> if loneliness expresses our deep desire to belong, to, to be known, Sadness is what we must be willing to risk to experience real relationship. Because if you're in real relationship, you can experience real loss, and that loss leads to sadness. And true intimacy with God and with others will always be accompanied by sadness. In some measure, both in the present and the future, 
we, we have to face up to feeling sadness to be in relationship. And sometimes because of the, the, the losses that we've experienced, it can with, withdraw us from others and we can experience loneliness on top of our sadness. And sadness on top of our loneliness. C.S. Lewis would say in terms of loneliness and sadness in relationships, he says there's, there's no safe investment. To love is to be vulnerable. Love anything and your heart will certainly be wrong and possibly broken. If you want to make sure uh, of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully around with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or the coffin of your selfishness. Keep it to yourself and it'll never be broken, <clears throat> at least in, in the way that you're afraid of. But to really love, to really be known, to be in relationship requires to be vulnerable and, and even to face sadness. And when we look at Psalm 88, I, th I think it's just helpful for us. When we experience loneliness and sadness, there's, there's two, um, <clears throat> two experiences that we, we might face. And then there's, there's one thing that we must do. And then I want to end by, by helping us sort through practically how to engage loneliness and sadness. Look back at Psalm 88. Uh, when we experience loneliness and sadness, there's a chance that you may feel overwhelmed. In, Psalm, uh, in verse 3 of Psalm 88, my soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. There's this sense of being overwhelmed to the point even of death. In verses six through seven, it says that you put me in the depths of the pit, you're in regions dark and deep, your wrath lays heavy upon me. And here it is, you overwhelm me with your ways. There's, there's just this overwhelming sense that it's it's hard to get out of the, the sadness. It's hard to, uh, to, to move beyond the loneliness. And it can be overwhelming. Verse 17 says, your wrath is swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me altogether. Our, our emotions have the ability to, to really overwhelm us, to, to, to be more than we can handle or process sometimes. Uh, and, and it's important for us to know that, that that sense of being overwhelmed often should be a, you know, a blinking light that, that points us to needing to deal with these emotions. And, and, and it's okay to be overwhelmed. Uh, and, and yet, uh, we, we don't want to stay in that position. Uh, we want to move towards, towards getting help, but often as we experience uh, our emotions, particularly loneliness and sadness, it can be overwhelming to us to know how to respond, to know how to orient ourselves. And, and remember, the Psalms give us the language of God that help us to, to really uh, to communicate what we're feeling before God, where we're thinking and feeling with God. And so uh, one of the biggest things as, as we talk through these things is to be able to accurately identify what we're experiencing, to put words to what we are feeling. And here the psalmist isn't afraid to say, what I'm feeling feels overwhelming. And I think there's sometimes freedom that can come with us being able to acknowledge what we're feeling and where we're at, as we've already talked about uh, last week, looking at Psalm 55. And the psalmist isn't afraid uh, to put words to, to what he's experiencing. I feel overwhelmed by this abandonment and this sorrow, this loneliness and this sadness. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, to, to put words to this. And, and then we also even see that we may experience uh, questioning God. On top of being overwhelmed, sometimes in our, our loneliness and our sadness, if we have a Godward bent in our life, we're looking to God and, and questioning. We're questioning. And, Questions express a longing to experience. 
what's good in this life are the kind of questions that we see in Psalm 88. The, the psalmist is saying, I, I, I want what's good. I want to experience these things. It's, it's among the living that God works miracles. And he says in Psalm 88, it's among the living that he receives praise. So God, give me life so I can praise you. I, I want to know your steadfast love and faithfulness. I want to walk in righteousness. God, take this loneliness and this uh, sadness from me that I can experience this, is, is what he's, he's questioning. God, God, do, do you, do, do the dead praise you? Will those who go down to Sheol, do they experience your steadfast love? So he has these questions that, that are expressing a longing to experience what's good in this life. But then he also, he, he gives us a, a really a pattern of, of questions that, that help us to wrestle with the difficulty of what we're experiencing. He asks questions that express difficulty understanding his lot in life. Have, have you ever had difficulty understanding your lot in life? Whether it be singleness, particular struggle in your marriage, something with your job, the, the loss of someone, uh, some loved one in your life, some pain or trial that you're experiencing. Here, the psalmist shows us what it means to bring that to God. And, and this isn't a sinful defiance of God, but it's a questioning of God because it, out of the desire to know and to understand what God is doing. Notice the why questions in verse 14. He's saying his circumstances suggest that God's absent. I feel as if you're not here. I feel separated and unseen by you, God. So he's putting words to that. All of life feels marked by loss, he says in verse 15, afflicted and close to death. When the psalmist looks to God, he feels terrified. God, your terror sweeps over me. And when the psalmist looks to others, he can find no one and finds no comfort. And he's asking God, why? Where are you in all of this? So sometimes when we experience loneliness and sadness, we need to be ready to uh, not to be surprised by that feeling of being overwhelmed, as well as not to, to be surprised by the instinct and the desire to question God. And I want you to know as a believer, we, we ought to have that instinct to move towards God when we experience these hard emotions of loneliness and sadness. So I'm not saying that you always will feel overwhelmed or that you always will need to question God. I'm not saying if you uh, don't uh, feel these things that something is wrong with you or uh, or or even that you can, uh, it's possible perhaps to even question God uh, <clears throat> in a way that would, would be unhelpful and lead us away from, from, from ultimately putting faith and trust in him. But I'm saying that it's likely if you feel loneliness and sadness, you're going to have some uh, sense of perhaps being overwhelmed and, and questioning God. So you may or may not feel these things, but there's one thing that we all must do. In our loneliness and our sadness, we all must cry out to God. The one point that we can't miss in the darkness of Psalm 88 is that the psalmist is telling all of this to God. The psalmist is praying. He's crying out to God. He doesn't have answers for his cries, but he knows that he can bring them to God. Verse 1 begins, O Lord, God of my salvation, perhaps the, the high point. Of the verse of the of the chapter of the of the psalm. I cry out day and night before you. God, I know that you're my redeemer. I know that you're my rescuer. And so I cry out to you. 
Verse 9, every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. It's this posture of, of humility and surrender. God, I need you. We must cry out to him when we feel alone, when we feel sad. In verse 13, but I, O Lord, I, O Lord, cry to you in the morning. My prayers come before you. So whether you feel overwhelmed or the need to question God, we all must cry out to him. And, and you know, in, in your life and in my life, we, we can experience some dark things, been in some dark places. I know I've been there. I don't know if you've, if you've ever just sat down and, and had this overwhelming sense, uh, uh, just a, a sense of, uh, of sadness and that wells up tears in your eyes. And, and maybe it's it's not because, uh, maybe it's because of the loss of a loved one. I remember when my father passed uh, a few years ago that the, the just un, unable to control sobbing feeling. I'd never really experienced that in my life before. And just the news that, that hit me. Um, and, and then the, I'll never forget the, the feeling um, of being uh, in Haiti, getting a call that Emily was going to the hospital and had a ruptured ectopic pregnancy. Both the feeling of, of, of loneliness, being separated from her and, and, and just overwhelmed by what was happening, crying out to God and, and wanting, uh, wanting his help to protect her and, and grieving the loss of, of a child that we didn't know and walking through uh, all of these things. Uh, I've also experienced seasons of, of just life not going the way that I want it to go. I don't know if you've been there, like it's just hard. Maybe for a parent, parenting is hard and you're trying to figure out how to juggle this with work and it's just like, ah, I'm just overwhelmed by this. And, and yes, it could lead to some other emotions like anger that we'll talk about uh, in a few weeks, but, but also just a sense of just sadness. Like it's just a weight that won't lift. And and, and maybe, maybe you've had desires to do something that haven't panned out and, and you're wrestling with this or, or maybe there's desires for relationships, but, but a sense of loneliness and separation that persists. And there in those moments, what are you going to do? There in those moments, where are we going to turn? And Psalm 88 shows us as dark as it gets, I mean, Psalm 88 ends with the word darkness. That's as dark as you can get in a psalm. That's life at a low. And there at that low, there in that darkness, Haman's crying out to God. We must cry out to God. And, and what I want you to know, what I want you to remember is when the darkness won't lift, you can be confident that God has never left. When the darkness won't lift, you can be confident that there is a God who has never left. It's, it's what we see in Psalm 88. As dark as it gets, he's crying out to God. As we engage our emotions, we've said that foundationally we must engage with God. All of our emotions should drive us to God. And here in loneliness and sadness, we, we need first and foremost to orient ourselves to God. 
to cry out to him. I'm not saying that it'll go away. I'm not saying that there'll be easy answers, but I'm saying what we need, the anchor that will will hold us steadfast and see us through is, is God crying out to him. In particular, if I can step out of Psalm 88 and, and look more broadly, uh, when we think about crying out to God, specifically, I, I want to point us to look to Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 4 through 16, we see this description of Jesus. It says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, the reason we can look to Jesus in our loneliness and our sadness is that Jesus is with us in the most profound sense. Early on in Hebrews, in chapter 2, it tells us that that Jesus was made like us in every respect, verses 17 through 18 of chapter 2, made like us in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. So he's become like us in every respect. He's become with us. He knows our lot. He knows the sense of loneliness and the the, uh, the singe of sadness. He's experienced them. He's walked in a darkness that, that wouldn't lift. He's been put up on a cross, and there on the cross he cries the lament of Psalm 22 that we see in Psalm 88. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you hid your face from me? When we think about Jesus being made this high priest who's like us in every way, tempted as we are, and yet hasn't sinned, he's he's able to help us who have been tempted in our loneliness and in our sadness. He knows our weaknesses. Jesus knows the way emotions tempt us to turn inward and even to turn from God and to remove ourselves from others. Jesus was fully human. He knew what it was to be despised and rejected, to feel abandoned and, and left alone. He, he knew what sadness and sorrow felt like. He was truly a man of sorrows. He knew what it was to be lonely and to be abandoned when he needed his friends most. And as I was thinking about this, I was drawn to a, a really a masterful book uh, recently uh, published by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly that looks at the heart of Jesus for, for us, for his sinners, for weak people, needy people. Um, and wasn't speaking specifically a verse of Psalm 88, but, but, but in a way that, that helps us to understand in our moments of loneliness and sadness, he, he says that we, we have a friend who knows exactly what such testing feels like and who sits close to us, who embraces us, is with us, solidarity in the truest sense. But notice he goes on and he says this, and I want us to, to, to really key in on this. He says, our tendency is to feel intuitively that the more difficult life gets, the more alone we are. As we sink further into pain, we sink further into isolation. Here we are, loneliness and sadness fleshing themselves out together. The Bible corrects us. It says, our pain never outstrips what Jesus himself shares in. The loneliness and the sadness we have experienced, we are experiencing, never outstrips what Jesus has experienced. We are never alone in the deepest sense. And that sorrow that feels so isolating, so unique, was endured by Jesus in the past and is shouldered by him in the present. 
What comforting words. That, that loneliness, that feeling of isolation, that sorrow that feels so isolating and so unique in our moment, in our circumstance. Was endured by Jesus in the past and shouldered by him in the present. Look to Jesus. When we talk about crying out to God, it's a crying out to God with a view towards Jesus that I want to permeate our thinking about engaging loneliness and sadness. You see, Christian, this is the anchor that any follower of Christ can have, no matter the depth of the darkness of loneliness and sadness that we're experiencing. Is this grounding you in this moment in your life, the things that you're experiencing? We must keep looking to him. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is with us in our loneliness and in our sadness. And this is the comfort as a Christian that we can have and rest in. And if you don't know Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that this is the Jesus that Christianity speaks of. This is the Jesus who invites you into relationship with himself. This is the Jesus who was put up, put up high and stretched out wide on the cross for your sin. To take the judgment that you deserved for your sin. To invite you into relationship with himself. You see, where you find yourself right now might be in the pit of loneliness and sadness. And I want you to know that Jesus is the answer to your loneliness and your sadness. Jesus is the comfort and the hope that we need in our darkness. But we can only know and be assured of that comfort if we first take in stock of our need for God, come to terms with our sin and our, our running away from God, our rebellion against God. You see, sometimes we get tripped up there. We want the, the blessings and the comfort of knowing Jesus and, and, and we're not willing to deal with our sin. But, but I want you to know, you don't have to be afraid of dealing with your sin. Don't be so prideful that you don't think that you need God. Don't be so despairing that you don't think that God can't help you. Jesus became like us in every way so that he could become a high priest. What's a high priest do? A high priest deals with God on our behalf. And Jesus, being fully God and fully man, dealt with God, dealt with our sin before God on our behalf so that we might come to him. I want you to know that you can come to him today, turning from your sin and putting your faith in him. And, and it would be my great joy to help you walk and follow him. If you, if you desire to turn from your sin and trust in Christ today, right where you're at, whatever you're doing, put words, now put, the, put something like these words in your mouth and pray to God. Say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know where I find myself right now. I can do nothing to fix myself. I need you. I know I've gone my own way. I've sinned against you, God. I come to you now. I lay my life down. I trust that you died for me. I trust that you rose from me. I give you my life. Let me now experience life as you intended. If you, said, if, if you prayed that and that's your desire, you have questions about that, I would love to talk with you. If you would text the number on the screen so that we can, we can connect and talk with you about what it means to know and follow Christ or rejoice that you've made that decision. And, and if you've made a decision to follow Christ, we want to put a Bible in your hands, a resource in your hands that will help you. So text that number so that we can connect with you. When we walk through loneliness and sadness, we must cry out to God. Whatever else we experience, we must cry out to him with a view to keeping Jesus before us, the one who's with us, 
the one who experienced loneliness and sadness in the past and who shoulders it with us in the present. But where else do we go from there as we think about loneliness and sadness? I said earlier that loneliness is an epidemic. Sadness is something we all experience. I want to give us just four final things to think about engaging loneliness and sadness. The first is be honest with yourself. One of the greatest temptations we face when engaging loneliness and sadness is a desire to deny or dismiss these emotions. They can be uncomfortable. They can make us feel weak and vulnerable. But we have to engage. We mistakenly believe that being unaffected or unmoved by the lack of relationship equals strength. That's false. Being unaffected by life doesn't make you strong. It means you're suppressing what you're experiencing. We we falsely believe that independence and self-sufficiency is the greatest expression of strength. When in reality, it's counter to how God made us. It can't be strong if it's counter to how God made us. And some may struggle admitting it because they don't want to seem needy or bothersome. So it's not about strength and bravado as much as it's just not wanting to be needy and bothersome. We we have to be honest with ourselves and what we're feeling, especially as we engage loneliness and sadness. And sometimes we equate uh, acknowledging sadness with, uh, you know, uh, this sense of lack of faith. If, If we're walking with sadness or fully acknowledging what we're struggling with, Sometimes we falsely believe that uh, it's a lack of faith when, when really, if we acknowledge sadness, it's acknowledging a tool that God's given us to grow in the way that he intends. Chip Dodd says, one of the greatest gifts of sadness that is the first step towards healing from loss. Sadness speaks directly to our need to grieve for what's gone. And if we grieve genuinely, then we can eventually come to accept life on life's terms. And through grief, which is processing sadness, we find comfort and deeper wisdom to move on in life with with greater wisdom um, and and with a a greater sense of comfort uh, as we process a loss that we've experienced. He goes on to say, if we can't acknowledge how much what we've lost means to us, then sadden will deepen because the need to honor our losses with grief doesn't go away. Just like when we suppress hurt, it leads to resentment. When we express sadness, it, 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 we, we, we suppress sadness. We, we have this woundedness that, that won't go away because sadness requires that we, we, we really express the value of what we've lost and why we're sad. Loneliness is meant to move us towards relationship, but we suppress that. We cut ourselves off from relationships that God intends for us to experience in order for us to be who he's made us to be. So we have to be honest with ourselves as we think about loneliness and and sadness. We also have to repent wherever sin is present. Listen, loneliness and sadness aren't sins that need to be repented of, but I would be amiss if I said that sometimes we may feel sad or lonely because of some sin that led us there. Or sometimes in our loneliness and our sadness, we can sin in response. Sin can, can foster in isolation. Sometimes we stay in isolation because we're uncomfortable with acknowledging some sin that we're wrestling with. This is especially true when it comes to sexual sin. This is especially true when when there's shame associated with with dealing with our sin. We we need to acknowledge it and move beyond it, but we we continue to isolate ourselves from others so that we don't have to get too close to acknowledge these things. Sometimes we we wrestle with facing sadness and, and, and 
uh, you've, you've, you've hurt someone with your words and your sadness, and, and uh, you need to acknowledge that wherever sin is present, we must repent of it. We must turn from it. Not because sadness and loneliness are sins, but because often in our emotions, there's occasion for sin. And so, so let's, let's not, uh, in, in, in engaging our emotions, dismiss our need to deal responsibly with our sin. And then I ultimately want to move us to talk about our loneliness and our sadness with others. You see, it requires that we, we get out from within ourselves and we move towards others. That's what I pray that we do, that we move towards others. And I think for some, this is going to mean that we have to have the courage to admit our loneliness and, and the willingness to pick up a phone and call a friend and say, hey, I'm struggling with this, or hey, this, this awesome thing just happened. Sometimes we, we just aren't willing to do it and we kind of get apathetic. And, you, you know, I, I think what what emotion, what loneliness is doing is causing us to move, telling us to move towards others. But sometimes we're just indifferent to that. We're not willing to open ourselves up in, in order to talk to someone else. We must be willing to open ourselves up to be known and pursue knowing others. The loneliness pandemic that I was talking about men earlier, especially here, we must be willing to acknowledge this and move towards others. I'm not talking about gushy, mushy feelings. I'm talking about just being honest with where we're at and moving towards other people in our lives, opening ourselves up for relationship. And, and, and sometimes sadness and woundedness in the past is keeping us from opening ourselves up. And we have to be willing to honest with ourselves, talk about those, bring that to God, talk about that with people we trust in relationship. And for others, there's an, a need to accept the messiness and the process of relationships. Sometimes in our loneliness, we, we believe the lie that relationships are just too hard and difficult. I can't give myself to them. And I, and I think especially for young professionals, as you uh, move out from a season of life in college, your undergrad or grad school, you, you have a, a unique season where friendships form in some of the most natural ways and the depth is amazing. And, and there's just so many amazing things that happen during that time. And then you move a stage beyond that. And now it all feels disorienting and isolating. And it can feel like, well, relationships weren't hard back then, so why are they so hard now? What's wrong with me now? I'm, something must be wrong with me, or I just don't want to deal with it. I'm just, I'm going to find my safe person and just be cool with that. Like, I'm not saying we have to be best buddies with everybody, but I'm saying that God's made us for relationship. We must move towards others. And we have to be willing in that process, not to set up uh, friendship and relationships with others as some just kind of wish dream of we want it to be this way. And if it's not this way, we're not willing to give ourselves to it. This is, this is the struggle of biblical community. Being in community with other believers, with other people is messy and difficult. Being known and belonging can be a process. And we have to be willing to give ourselves to that, to nurture relationships and not just sulk and feeling lonely and not just turn inward. We have to engage our loneliness. And how we engage loneliness and sadness can, can lead us into isolation if we engage it in, a, in an unhealthy way or can lead us into intimacy, into meaningful relationships, truly being known. Not being an island unto ourselves, but having real friendships. That's what we're talking about. Ultimately, all of this is, is causing us to move towards meaningful relationships is the final point. I want us to be a church that keeps moving towards meaningful relationships relationships. You see, Christianity is, as you've probably heard, the, the old statement, Christianity isn't a religion, it's a relationship. It's absolutely true. The most foundational thing about us is having a personal relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. But I think it's accurate to say that Christianity is not a religion, 
Um, and it's not only about a relationship with the most important, uh, the most important relationship between us and God, but it's also about relationships. You see, if we're going to live life, we have to be willing to give ourselves to meaningful relationships. We have to be willing to really live, to risk sadness, to, to navigate the seasons and the, the experiences of loneliness, to move us, really move us towards others and to, to help us to experience uh, to, to deal properly with the grief of losing something. I, I love uh, the final statement. I don't often read um, <clears throat> these long, long statements, but uh, long quotes. But when we, when we think about um, uh, what it means to be in relationship, we, we see in Hebrews 4.16 that there's this call to draw near to God, to the throne of grace, that we may receive uh, mercy and find grace in our help and time of need. That's that foundational relationship. But I also want us to see with the assurance of knowing that we belong to God, that we're known by God, also gives us the confidence to truly uh, pursue others, to be in relationship with others, to, to know and be known. And, and Chip Dodd puts it this way at the end. He says, life isn't a dress rehearsal for someday when it will become real. He says, we are living our lives now, not practicing for a life to come. And no doubt we have eternity before us, but there's not another life like this. This is the one we have. We need to be willing to value openly and have deep sadness. We need to write poems and songs, if, if that's your thing, he says. We need to send letters or emails or texts. We need to um, uh, acknowledge our children at the occasions of their milestones, raise grandchildren to the stars for God to see, hug our friends when we can do that again, and tell them how much we love them. We need to take time to visit when a person stops by or to, to call a friend just to catch up or to visit with old friends we've been meaning to see. We need to get up early to listen to God's word and be astounded by the glorious things that he says. We need to grieve deeply when people we love depart or, or, or when, when some dream doesn't come true. He says we cannot delight deeply in anything or anyone unless we are willing to walk in a world of sadness. To engage loneliness or sadness is to be willing to open ourselves up to know God and to know others. When we know God and we, we know others, we, we really can have a, a foundational sense of who God made us to be and our purpose in this world. And, to, and to, to really understand the gift of our emotions and to understand what it means to think and feel with God is, is to really open ourselves up to live fully before God and with others. I think that's what God's calling us to. He's calling us into a personal relationship with himself and meaningful relationship with others. And in our loneliness and our sadness, we can cry out to God, looking to Jesus, knowing that he's there. And that helps us, gives us the assurance that he's with us. And if he's with us, we can press in to knowing others and being known by them and, and dealing with our grief and dealing with sadness. See, those things shouldn't be emotions that we run away from. When we feel them, they're, they're provoking us, prompting us, to look to God, to look to how he's made us and to what he's made us for. And even in our dark emotions of loneliness and isolation, when that cloud won't lift, we can know that there's a God who hasn't left and that he's provoking us to move towards meaningful relationship. Let's pray and ask God for help in these things. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this opportunity uh, to be walking through Psalms in, in such a pivotal time uh, to, to really engage our emotions. God, thank you for how you made us. 
thank you for helping us to understand how you made us and and to have the language both of of uh, of the psalms that they give us the language of the heart as well as the language of responding to you psalm 88 shows us um, uh, one portrait of uh, of one of your children acquainted with what it means to lead others in worship, but who is willing to be honest with the pain, the abandonment, the sorrow that he was feeling. But he didn't do that disconnected from, the, from you. He did that bringing it to you. And that's the, that's the foundation of what we need, God, when we walk through difficult emotions, to bring it to you, to look to Jesus, to know that you haven't abandoned us or left us, that our sorrow that feels so isolating isn't disconnected from you, but you know it so well, you are with us. And then, God, that helps us to, to be real, to be honest with ourselves, to, uh, to really acknowledge perhaps even the difficult areas where sin has been present uh, in, in the mix of those emotions, to acknowledge that, then to, to move towards others, to keep moving towards meaningful relationships. God, help us to be a people who don't allow emotions to define everything about us or who dismiss emotions as nothing, but who engage emotions. Help us to think and feel with you, even about loneliness and sadness that you might move us towards relationships and that you might move us to a healing um, as we process the, the joys and the sorrows of this life, God. Thank you that you're with us, that you'll never leave us. We cry out to you. You're our hope in the darkness. We ask this in Jesus' name.